Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am so thrilled to be here. This is Holy Metal. This is a podcast that seeks to spread the influence of Christian metal all across the globe. I am your host, Bradley Biggs, and I am so thrilled to be back behind this microphone. My gosh, it's been a long time since I've talked to you guys. I was looking and I realized, I realized something crazy. The last, the most recently recorded episode of Holy Metal Podcast was December 2019. That blew my mind when I saw it. I didn't realize how much time has gone by. I mean, 2019 was three years ago. Where is the time gone? I don't know. I just know that I don't like it. (laughs) I'm so happy to be back with you. So much has happened since the last time I really got to sat down. (laughs) Sat down. Since the last time I really got to sit down and get my grammar right and talk to you guys. 2020 was a huge year. Before I get into this, I should just say, um, I've gotten a lot of comments and a lot of questions over the last several months about where I've been and where the show went and why it disappeared. And so I wanted to clear the air right now and just kind of explain uh, to you guys what's been going on and hopefully get your questions answered. So as I was saying, 2020 was a big year, I think, for all of us, and there's really no need to rehash all the reasons why. Um, But entering into 2020, I was already going through a lot. Uh, I was actually finishing my last year of college, and I was also trying to balance my education with work, with dating, with everything else that life entails when you're 20-something. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, right, then the world blew up and shut down. And uh, we all had to go through that loveliness of COVID and everything that that entailed. During that time, I was dating a wonderful woman who I'm now married to. Uh, We got married last year. And so uh, I was busy trying to plan the proposal. And uh, after I got engaged, you know, I was kind of sucked into the the whirlwind of wedding planning and everything that accompanies that. And uh, trying to find a new place to live trying to help my family move because they also made a big move last year. Uh, It it was a busy time, particularly in 2020 through 2021. And so all of that in mind, busyness is no excuse. And I know that. And unfortunately, Holy Metal Podcast was something that got lost in the shuffle. And so to everyone who um, feels like I just disappeared, I, I want to be completely honest with you and and apologize and say that, yes, I did disappear for a while. Um, And I don't want to do that again. That's not a fun way to live. And uh, you guys don't deserve it. And I don't want to do that. So um, moving forward, I just want to say how amazed and happy I am to be back here. Throughout last year in 2020, I knew God was calling my heart back to this project. The entire time, it was like, as I, even as I was going to sleep at night, I had this thought in the back of my mind, like, Bradley, when are you going to start the podcast again? So it's been there. It's been a thought in my head. And it's been something that has been weighing on my heart for looking at a couple years almost now, more than a year. And I knew that while life was absolutely crazy on the outside, once the dust finally started to settle, 
was when I was going to be able to commit to this again. Because I made such great connections with you guys. The Christian metal community is one of the best in the world. We are uh, such a nice group of people. A lot of metalheads are. A lot of, me- a lot of metal heads are some of the nicest folks you will ever meet. But particularly in Christian metal, where we're called to be examples of Christ's love, it's, it's a different story. It takes it to the next level. And uh, I have treasured every connection I've been able to make with each and every one of you through this podcast. And now that finally it's a new year and things are starting to settle down, I'm so excited to be able to uh, continue right where we left off. So uh, today... I, I want to sort of do things a little bit differently than how we usually do them. Uh, I don't have any guests on the show today. It's just going to be me. Um, I wanted to get the air clear and, and answer questions for the first segment. And um, I sort of wanted to reintroduce myself as your host because when I started this podcast, I never really did a meet the host kind of episode. And so I think it would be valuable for you to learn not only what's been going on in the last couple years, um, but giving you a little bit more information about my background as well. And I thought, what better way to do that and to show you a little bit of who I am than to tell you an amazing story, an amazing miracle that God used to uh, shape the lives and the legacy of my family. This story that I'm about to tell you is actually a huge reason why I wanted to start this podcast. It was a bit of a cornerstone in in developing my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and uh, the fact that it actually happened and my family has proof of it, I've seen the proof of it, um, is just wild. You know, I've heard a lot of stories about um, people who are in a convenience store, you know, working behind the counter and uh, somebody comes in and robs it, right? And the robber decides to pull a gun on the person working and shoots them. But, you know, thankfully the person had a, you know, a ring in their, in their breast pocket or they put their hand up to stop the bullet and, and the bullet was absorbed by the ring and they were fine. Or, you know, maybe they had a Bible in their pocket and the bullet hit the Bible, but they, it didn't kill that. Like, you hear these stories and if they really did happen, how amazing. A lot of them sound to be... <laughs> a little bit clickbaity almost. And um, this arguably is a story like that, um, but it's 100% genuine and rooted in my family's history. So as I mentioned, I am Bradley Biggs. I'm from Southern California and I'm a Christian metal fanatic. And uh, my goal with this show, right, was to create a community for, for people just like me people who haven't really been able to fully maybe fit into um, a traditional church because uh, of their music taste or fit into the secular metal world completely because of their convictions. Christian metal, and I made this point several times, but I'll make it again. Christian metal is, is so interesting to me because it's never truly had a home. The church never wanted it, and secular metal thought it was garbage. And so today it just kind of sits on the fringes, right? There are so many layers to it. The more you explore back in time, back in history, all the way through today, you realize that it's such a richly layered genre. And so that was my mission was to 
create sort of a ministry where people like us can come and listen to, uh, to artists. I can promote their work. I can give them a, a place to share a little bit about what they're doing and why it's important. And we can bond in that way. We can grow closer to one another and our faith can ultimately increase. So that's a little bit about my mission. Let's get into my history. I am part Armenian. Uh, my family came over from uh, Turkey during the Armenian genocide. And the story that I have pertains to that period in time. So, uh, sorry, I got my, my tongue twisted around here. Sort of uh, at the beginning of the 20th century was really when uh, the genocide and its, its horrors escalated to uh, their peaks. And so I wanted to... Uh, give you a little bit of this context about my, my ethnic background, right, so to speak. Um, so during the Armenian Genocide, and if you don't know a lot about it, I, I would highly suggest doing some research. It's fascinating and horrible and something that we should always, always remember, so that way it never happens again. So during the Armenian Genocide, um, a lot of my ancestors, my family members, uh, were killed, right? They were, they were raped, they were left for dead, imprisoned, and just brutally, brutally slaughtered. My family is really into genealogy. And so my uncle was able to sort of produce a family uh, history book, if you will, where members of my family that came over from Turkey are all chronicled, and I was actually able to see who made it and, unfortunately, who didn't. But this story pertains to my great-grandfather. His name was Habib Kumrian. And this is a name that the world will probably never recognize as any, anyone important. But uh, for me and my family, he built quite the legacy. Habib was my great-grandfather. And uh, he was sort of a jack-of-all-trades throughout his life. He wore many different hats, uh, and he, for example, throughout his life, he uh, served as a mechanic. He was also an artist. He loved to draw. He was an illustrator at, at his core. Um, he also dabbled, dabbled in photography, and uh, I think the most interesting thing my great-grandfather did in terms of occupation, he was a, sh a personal chauffeur to the King of Jordan. And I didn't know this, but the King of Jordan is actually a descendant, I guess, of the Prophet Muhammad. I, I don't know how all that works, but um, he was his chauffeur. He did a lot throughout his lifetime. And even though all of his roles were, were just seemingly diverse and disconnected, they were united by one common theme. And that theme was service to other people. People gained so much from his art. I know I have. And that's what I'm going to be sharing a little bit about. But still, vastly more than everything he accomplished was his courage as a leader of his people. As I mentioned, my great-grandfather, uh, thankfully, was able to escape the Armenian Genocide. And this was no easy task. It was very, very difficult to escape at the time. And uh, one thing he actually had to do was hide beneath corpses of people that he knew and grew up with. 
people that he often look up, looked up to, he had to essentially play dead to avoid being killed at the hands of the Turks. Can you imagine that? That's just terrible. And all of this took place um, in the year 1915, like I mentioned, sort of the first, first part of the 20th century here. Um, in 1915, Habib and his family were warned that the Turks were coming and they were soon going to arrive in his hometown of Marash, right? And it's now under a different name. And what this meant was, because the Turks were on their way, Habib and his family had about 24 hours to escape the area. That was roughly how long it would take for the Turks to arrive. And during that time, they used a lot of really brutal methods to kill Armenian people. Um, a favorite of theirs was to blockade entire neighborhoods and just set them on fire. And so it was really evident, the time is now to get out. I couldn't imagine being at my family's home, this, fa- the, this house that's been in my family for generations, and being told, in 24 hours, you got to get up and leave. you got to leave everything behind at the risk of your safety. And so because there was no other option, Habib said, okay, we're getting out of here. He loved being outside, and he loved tracing um, maps, and he loved discovering the area around his home. And so Habib, unlike his other family members who were wondering, how the heck are we going to get out of here? Oh my gosh, there's so much to do. He actually, as a, as a teenager, was able to trace an escape route out of the city. And this was no simple task of, oh, just hop on the freeway and drive out of Turkey. <laughs> The escape route actually entailed going underground through sewers, through the sewer system to safety. And later on in his life, Habib (laughs) recollected how that went. And he told my uncle in an interview once that he remembers leading his family out with with bullets flying and ricocheting off of uh, sewer grates and tunnels. It was nuts. This was not by any means an easy escape, but somehow he managed to do it. Anyway, at the time Habib was told that they had to escape, he he obviously relayed this news to his family. And his great-grandfather, I'm sorry, his grandfather was uh, kind of a callous guy. He was kind of a salty character. And he said, well, I would rather die defending my home than have to surrender it to the hands of these thugs. And so, 24 hours later, the Turks came, and his grandfather died defending his home. So in a way, he got what he wished for, but at the cost of his life, unfortunately. So his grandfather was the only one out of his immediate family who did not make it out alive, which is very sad. It's tragic, but that's just how it went. And so, afterwards... After the Turks came and burned his entire neighborhood, burned his his family's home to the ground, they moved on to to another area. And so the day after all that happened, Habib's sister, I guess who would be my great aunt, went back to the area, knowing that she might get herself into a dangerous situation. She went back to the area, to her old home, and discovered that, as was suspected, it was burned to the ground. There was absolutely nothing 
left standing, but still because she was mourning that loss of everything that she grew up with and knew, she was sifting through the ashes of her home, just hoping to find something as a keepsake. She found nothing. But as she kept digging, she noticed something sticking out of the ashes. It was a piece of paper. And she pulled it up out of the dirt to find that what was on that paper was a drawing that Habib had made. My great-grandpa drew this photo three or four years before they had to escape their home. And this picture was charcoal on paper, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. (laughs) This picture that my great-grandfather drew had survived this devastating neighborhood-wide blaze. A piece of paper. And so (laughs) his sister was amazed. She took the, uh, the picture and she folded it up, stuck it in her clothes. And eventually when she got back to America, the, the, the picture was passed down to my grandfather who still has it to this day. And actually, if you, if you look, if you tap your, your phone right now and look at the, uh, the little thumbnail of this episode, the picture in the background that you see behind the text is actually that original picture. It's a photo of it that I obviously you know, adjusted the, uh, the exposure and saturation on, but that is the picture that my great grandfather drew. And so you might ask, how did, how was this possible? How did this photo, this uh, picture survive? Well, go to the third chapter of Daniel because Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego should not have survived that blaze either, but there was someone else with them in the flames I love this story because it shows me that these people who shed my family's blood didn't have the final word, right? Even in the midst of a horrific genocide, Jesus was working. He was there. And how amazing for us today. And, And, you know, I realized something. I realized something very, very recently as I was thinking about this story and everything, everything that it means to me. And I, I came to realize something that I hadn't before, which is this was one of my great-grandfather's doodles that he did just for fun. It was born from a place of passion for him. And he had no clue how much significance it would have just a few years down the road. It was something that came from deep within his heart, something that was at his core that he put on paper. And he would have never known the significance that it would later have. And in that, I find a lot of parallels with myself and holy metal. When I started this, you guys, it was my passion. It was born from a call that God had placed on my heart to spread music that glorifies him and to promote you guys and thank you guys for creating it and for listening to it and participating in it. And then everything got crazy. All the chaos broke out 
and everything just got wild to the point where I could no longer focus on it. But now, this is the hopeful part of all of this, right now, the dust is finally starting to settle. And the call that God placed on my heart hasn't gone away. In fact, it's gotten even louder over these last couple years when I haven't been able to give this the full attention it deserves. And so if God is able to do something on that scale with my great-grandfather's drawing, I'm very hopeful for what he might want to accomplish through holy metal. That starts with God and it works through you. And I want to thank you guys after this long of a break that you're still here listening with me today. You're awesome. You guys are so much of the reason why I want to do this because this is a fantastic community. And so I hope that helps explaining a little bit about the context of the show and a little bit about your host. So with all this being said, moving forward, I am so very excited for this podcast. There's a lot that I did a couple of years ago that never officially got released that I'm excited to uh, bring to you guys at this point. I'm also going to be adapting how we do things a little bit. I'm going to be including a lot more album uh, spotlights moving forward and not necessarily things that you've heard a million times before. There'll be some of that. There'll be bands like Striper and Bloodgood. But I also want to go a few layers deeper too. I'm a very niche person and I, I think you can gather that just from the fact that I like the music I like and you know a little bit about me now. And I assume you are too, to a certain extent. (laughs) We like a subgenre of music that's very much in the dark, in the eyes of the world. But it's rooted in light. And so I want to channel my love of the obscure and the underground into um, this podcast a little bit more. Is a lot of people out there are now doing podcasts that are centered around around Christian metal. And a lot of people also write album reviews that are centered around the same thing. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, it's been a long time since I've really been in this scene. What can I do differently? I'm hoping to give you guys resources and music that you've never heard before. Things that you've never even imagined were out there. And something else I want to do a little bit differently. I've noticed that when people write album reviews, um, there are such brilliant reviewers out there. But the writing itself comes from a very objective point of view. What was this guitar solo like? How high was this note that the singer hit? Things like that. And really, when people first started talking about Christian metal and giving it a, a platform, people like Pastor Bob Beeman from Sanctuary, he didn't promote this music objectively. The faith behind the music was equally important as, if not bigger, than the actual music itself. And so moving forward, I don't want to give you just an abstract view of an album, something that's just pass or play. I want to actually talk about it. I want to see how these Christian metal albums are structured, what makes them the way that they are, why they're so important, and what that has to say about faith 
and the role that it plays in our lives. So that's a little teaser of what is to come. I'm so excited to start uh, releasing these reviews. I have a lot that are just stockpiled and waiting. So be on the lookout for that. Again, Holy Metal is uh, in the process of sort of changing its platform right now. It's uh, going to be joining this wonderful digital network called Hope Cartel through a company called Eloquil. So be on the lookout for that. Again, I'll, I'll give more details on my Instagram page, at Holy Metal Podcast, uh, so you guys don't miss it. Thank you so much for being here today. I mean it. This has been a blast, and I'm so looking forward to doing this again with you guys. So thank you for the journey. Thank you for this wonderful experience. And I just pray you guys are having a wonderful day wherever you are right now. Thank you guys again. God bless you. And we will see you here next time.